I'm Danette May, and today on Manifestable. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing the good, the bad, the ugly all around hysterectomy surgery. I'm going to be talking about sex. I'm going to be talking about recovery, the things that didn't go well, the things that I learned so that any of you who are thinking about having the surgery or going to have the surgery or they're after the surgery, they feel equipped with real raw information. So let's get started. Welcome to Manifestable, where you'll receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns, and live into your soul's purpose. Each week, I will bring you epic guests, live coaching, and manifestation tools to remind you of your power. You have the ability to achieve extraordinary things, and the time to start is now. Do you ever feel like you need an extra push to feel inspired or motivated to take on the day? I know I do at times. And are you searching for a sign to nudge you one step closer to achieving your goals? I've decided to do something and I'm doing it absolutely free. All you have to do is text JOY. You're going to text JOY to 720, grab your pen and paper right now, 720-706-5956. And I'm going to send you free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. We don't have to do this life alone. I want to be there as a support. So just go ahead and simply text JOY to 720-706-5956. And I'm going to be sending you free. It might be an affirmation or encouragement, maybe a meditation, something that will help you start your week in the right foot with a simple message from me. Again, text JOY. And I'm going to give you that number one more time, 720-706-5956 to receive free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. I love you. All right, you guys, the reason I chose to do this particular episode is because my team has informed me that you guys are eating up part one and part two of my hysterectomy journey. Now I'm sitting here and I'm exactly four weeks out from having surgery. So I'm still in the discovery of everything, but I have done so much research. I have been using my body as a research tool so that I can hopefully help you in this journey. So you've been devouring episodes, part one and part two of the hysterectomy journey. If anybody's tuning into this episode today, I recommend going back, looking in the Manifestable podcast and find hysterectomy part one listen to that and then listen to hysterectomy part two first before listening to this episode, because this episode is going to be more practical. I'm going to be sharing the things that didn't work, the things I wish I would have known, the things that helped me heal quicker. I'm going to talk about the things that didn't go well. Like we're going to talk about bowel movement. We're going to talk about sex, all the things that I would want to know if I was going into surgery, whether it was a C-section or hysterectomy surgery or any type of female surgery where they're going into your abdominal area and going to extract something, whether it's endometriosis or whatnot. I have a lot of friends who are dealing with endometriosis right now in their 30s. I also have girlfriends who just had a C-section. 
So I've had two C-sections. I've also had my gallbladder out. I also had appendix out. And now I've had my uterus out. Crazy. Like if I think about my lineage of my abdominal region, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. It's been through a lot. But I have learned a lot. I'm obviously a fitness professional as well. So I understand the body, the correlation of the body. And over the years have even studied even deeper into how the mind, spirit, emotional connection plays into the body. So I talk about that in part one of the hysterectomy. So go back and listen to that. I'm actually talking about it in every episode on Manifestival because I know now with every fiber of my being, the power of our minds, the power of our stories, the stories we tell ourselves, the past traumas that we've been through, that we've held on to without even realizing it. We think we've forgiven. We think we've moved on. We don't live into that trauma anymore. It lays its little web in through the body. And unless we clear it, and unless we ask what it wants to teach us, and we learn the message and the lesson from that teaching, it may show up in other parts of the body. So I've obviously been through a lot, felt a lot, some of you as well. So I'm going to go week by week. Like I said, I'm four weeks post-op right now. So it's very fresh in my mind. And I want to give you the truth. Okay. So in part one, I talked a little bit about how I prepped for this surgery. I'm going to go into that just a little bit more. We're going to talk about bowel movements because one thing I do know is if you do not prep for this effectively, you might be in misery. And I know this because of my C-section. So I had two C-sections with my two daughters and no one talked about this with me back then when I had those C-sections and I want to spare anyone to go through the agony I went through when it came to my very first bowel movement after surgery. And it's very similar whether it's a hysterectomy, endometriosis, surgery, and C-section. Very, very similar through the body when it comes to bowel movement. So it's very important that you get on a stool softener if you can before surgery. So maybe one to two days prior, you want to really get that bowel movement going because when you go into surgery, it starts to freeze up. The organs freeze up. They might touch the bladder. They might touch the bowels. And it's almost like it stalls. Plus all the anesthesia, the medication they're giving you, it just creates this like stagnation and it starts to build up. And then it can be very, very painful and scary to go when it's time to go. I also made sure I'm eating like more bone broth 24 hours prior, like very liquid type diet so that I wasn't, you know, clogging the dam basically. (laughs) And then the other thing to notice is that, okay, so after you get out of surgery, then start doing like I had 100% prune juice. I recommend that not like 30% prune juice and the rest is like sugar and water. No, 100% prune juice. I started drinking that about a cup a day, sometimes throughout the day, maybe it would equal to about two cups a day. And then I also continued with the stool softeners as well as eating very bland, very more liquidy, protein-rich foods, but not like heavy, not potatoes, not carbs, not lots of greens either, unless it was in a juice form because I didn't want to create any backup, right? I want to have the most easy bowel movement possible. When I had my C-sections, that was one of the most hardest things for me is the bowels had frozen up. No one had told me about taking stool softeners until after the fact, once I got home. And then I was just in so much pain, 
trying to have my first bowel movement. And when you just had surgery, it's so painful. But I'm happy to say that with my hysterectomy surgery, I was prepared with this information I'm sharing with you. And it was easy, smooth. And I continued taking those bowel supplements for about three days after surgery, just to let everything get in its system until it was kind of happening on its own. Also, you might have a situation with your bladder. Thankfully, my surgeon did not accidentally nick my bladder. Therefore, going pee was not a problem. But if you get nicked, they'll probably put a catheter in you and you might have to go home with that catheter. And it can be a little bit painful to pee at first, but it does get better. I just want to let you know you're not alone if you're feeling struggles in peeing or going like a bowel movement. It will get better. The other thing that I was aware of is that when they do this surgery, in particular your hysterectomy surgery, they're pumping your body up full of gas. And they do this so that the belly distends open so they have more room in there. They can see around. They can do their work. Now, I had heard how excruciating this gas pain can be, in particularly up and through your upper back and through your shoulders. So what I did is I bought some Gas-X and I took the Gas-X really regularly, even if I wasn't feeling gas for like four days after surgery. I just didn't want to feel gas pain. I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. I could hear the gas going through my body. It sounded like a machine going off. Everything's trying to reorient itself. There's so much gas noises for that first week. It's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) It's like everybody, it's just sounds. It's just sounds everybody. That's what I would be telling my whole family. It's just sounds, but I could hear it, but I didn't feel pain because I was taking Gas-X pretty regularly. And I also was drinking ginger tea and peppermint tea Like I drink it throughout the day and I highly, highly recommend that. It helps with digestion. It helps with gas in the body naturally along with, and now I'm talking like real peppermint tea. Like I used peppermint oil that you can actually consume. It's a digestible peppermint oil plus peppermint tea plus real ginger, not just fake ginger, but real ginger. You can buy that at the store. It comes in like a juice. It's real ginger or you can grate it or juice it yourself. And also took Gas-X and I did not experience any gas pains. Did I hear the sounds? Yes. I heard them for about a week to two weeks. Very, very normal. The organs are settling. Everything's moving around. You just had major surgery. So I wanted to kind of give you that for the first week. Also the first week, I could hardly get out of bed. I was getting really lightheaded a lot that first week when I would get up to go to the bathroom. So having somebody in your home that can support you getting up and around, especially in the night, is really, really important just so that you don't have an accident fall or something like that. So, oh my gosh, I just thought about this woman I saw at the airport. I was heading to Mexico literally three days ago. I went on a four-week trip. Like I was at four weeks, right? I'm here in Mexico right now with my daughter and a woman literally in the customs line. She just got out of surgery. Crazy. She literally falls over And she passes out in the customs line. No one saw it coming. And she hit her head on the little plastic stands that are like, you know, basically making everybody line up through the lines. And blood was everywhere. She was so lightheaded. And I want to talk a little bit about this. So she, what can happen, especially after surgery, because the body has been through a trauma. It is a trauma. The body's responding as a trauma. You have to eat protein and you have to eat. You're not really hungry, especially that first week to two weeks. 
I did not feel hungry. I feel like I could have gone most days without eating hardly anything. Some people might feel hunger, but I didn't. And I had to force myself to eat and particularly protein. And I also noticed that some days I just didn't really feel very good. So therefore you think, oh, I'm just not hungry. I don't feel very good. As soon as I would eat protein, I would feel better. So I think the body just needs that extra nourishment, that extra help for recovery. So make sure you're eating first thing in the morning, you're getting your protein, you're eating regularly throughout the day and you're eating clean foods because this is going to help regulate that blood sugar and the blood pressure in your body so that you're not getting lightheaded. You're not getting feeling off. Like I've now recognized a pattern and I'm like, oh, I don't just not feel good. It's just that I need food. So even though my body's not registering that I'm hungry at all, that's a big thing that I do notice that will help with recovery is if you're eating really clean proteins, you're not eating chips and processed foods, like eating as clean as possible is going to speed up your recovery and also eating non-inflammatory foods. So when you look up non-inflammatory foods, it's foods that are not processed. It's foods that are more like fish, chicken, sweet potatoes. They just don't have an inflammation response in the organs. That's going to be massively key to your healing. And then having some support. You know, I honestly could not really walk very quick. I would get lightheaded in the morning. Sometimes I had just asked for tea. I would drink coffee in the morning because it does help with your bowels. For those of us who do drink coffee, it does help with the bowels. So I was drinking coffee in the morning and I'd have my husband bring it up in the morning. I never have him bring me coffee. Some of you are lucky ladies that you get your coffee served to you. That is not me, but I would have my husband bring me coffee and lay in bed still and drink the coffee. I had like healthy fats in the coffee and then I would see myself... Okay. And then sometimes I'd have a green juice or a little protein in bed. And then I was able to come down the stairs and not feel lightheaded. So just giving you a heads up that I did feel lightheaded. There were a couple of times I would head down to the, go downstairs and then I would turn around and go right back up to my bed because I was like, I am going to pass out. Sometimes I'd go to the bathroom and feel like I was going to pass out. So it wasn't like it was all roses for me. There were times when I just was like, wow, my body is so weak. It almost felt like I was losing a lot of blood, but it's just that my body needed more protein. My body needed me to go slower with it. And it's just part of my process. On week two, you think, okay, I should be feeling a lot better. And I did feel a lot better. But once again, I did experience a lot of lightheadedness that came out of nowhere. I'd be like doing really good one day. And then the next day I'd be like, I'm just lightheaded today. I just feel weaker than I did the day before. And you have to just learn to roll with it. So honestly, I feel like week two and week three is this opportunity to really look at This is an opportunity to slow down and to meditate more, to read books that are uplifting, to listen to inspiring messages, to really grow on your self-development. Like think about if you were wanting to grow in a class, let's say you wanted to sign up for a course in whatever thing that lights you up, you would go to class all day long and learn that concept I look at surgery like a class and it was an opportunity for me to drop into content or books of things that I wanted to learn. Like if I were to sign up for a retreat or a class on, 
I chose to look at it as my time of learning in a different way. So laying in bed, listening to books or reading books or listening to meditations or because I wanted to study different things on the mind. I had a specific thing I was studying. I suggest do the same because it will keep you progressing. It will keep you feeling like you're moving forward in life on something versus just mindlessly tuning out and watching a bunch of Netflix of random shows. And a lot of them are just not that uplifting or just laying around going, I wish I could be busy. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. No, just be glad you're there getting to lay down and learn what you want to learn. And you're getting people to show up for you and serve you <laughs> because you have to also communicate that. And we're going to get that in, to that in just a minute. So I don't think I know that actually supported me in my mental wellness. I started telling everybody, I'm a lady of leisure. I just started taking it on that I'm like, this is my journey of learning how to be served. This is my time to dive into this school of learning that I've wanted to learn, but I've just been doing all these other things and not really dived into it. Now's my time to dive into it. If you wanted to knit something, I also was learning how to play the Native American flute. So I'm playing the flute every day. (laughs) These are the things that I, I decided to do because they were things that wouldn't require me moving around. It would require me to lay there and to read and to learn and to play my flute and to just operate in a new way. And so I really, really recommend that. Like find that thing that you can learn. You will start to, for some of us, the mind is tricky. Whenever you're in a new pattern, it's going to kind of show up going off on tangents of how it should be. Like, for example, my mind was like, oh, now by week three, now you're being a burden. Now you're actually demand, because you have to ask people to pick up everything. Like I noticed how many times I dropped something. I don't know how you guys can relate but I was like, wow, I drop things all the time out of my hands. I drop things all the time because when you can't bend down to pick something off the floor, you recognize how much you drop things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to ask somebody to pick up my stuff. Like it's very, very humbling. Or to reach down into the freezer or to reach down into somewhere that you're trying to get something, you have to ask for help. And it's very, very humbling. And I started to get into my head that, maybe I was a burden and I'm not helping out and I should be able to bend down and not put people out. And I think the important thing to remember, and and so I would have to tell my brain, no, this is just a season. And thankfully my kids and my husband were like, mom, we got it. And I forget that it's an opportunity for them to show you through action, how they care about you. It's an opportunity for you to actually step back and see other people care about you. But you have to like receive it. You have to be like gracious for it. You can't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I can't pick up anything. Woe is me. No, just be like, thank you so much. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for loving me in this new way. It's showing me so much. And when you communicate like that, it makes it so people want to help you more versus you being like, woe is me. I can't pick it up. I'm sorry. I'm such a burden. I'm I wish I could do more, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, stop already. (laughs) They just, if you're just like, thank you for letting me be a lady of leisure and be positive. It's a positive experience for everyone. So, you know, creating Cacao Bliss has been such an honor. 
And I know some of you might be intrigued if you have not tried Cacao Bliss. Is it really that good? Is it really that good for my body? Am I going to love it? Are my kids going to love it? So I want to make sure that if you want to try it and you know what I'm talking about here and why it became the fastest growing company on Inc. 500, go ahead and get a bag or two. And I'm going to give you 15% off at checkout. So in the show notes, you're just going to click on that link and get a bag or two of Cacao Bliss and I'm going to give you 15% off your order. All you need to do is put Manifestable at checkout so I can give you 15% off. Use the word Manifestable at checkout. M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L, Manifestable at checkout and you're going to get 15% off. All right. I love you guys and thanks for tuning into this episode. I decided also that I was going to walk, that I knew this was going to be good for me mentally. It's good for all of us mentally. And also it helps speed up recovery. So I had a goal the first week to walk 15 minutes, three times a day. Yep. 15 minutes, three times a day. Whether that, if it was nice out, I would do it outside. It was also the dead of winter for me. So Sometimes it was just pacing my house and put, literally putting a timer on. I even would drive down to the local elementary school because it was flat and there was no ice and I just needed sun on my face. And I would walk for 15 minutes, get back in the car and head home. I'll talk about driving in just a minute because whoo-wee, that was also humbling. Second week, I upped it. So I started to see if I could make that 15 minutes, 18 minutes, not three times a day, but just maybe once or twice a day on the second week, third week, tried to make it to 20 minutes, 30 minutes in one time walking. And if I got lucky, I could walk again later that day for like 15 minutes. And sometimes I didn't walk again, but that was my goal for first week, second week, third week. I kept slowly building on a little bit more time, walking very slow, very aware. I used a bandage brace, which tended to make me feel like it held me in more and like I could walk better. So I did that. Driving. I started driving as soon as I wasn't taking narcotics, which was by day two after surgery. So I think I started driving at day four or five after surgery. Oh my goodness. It would make me so nauseous because you don't realize how much a car vibrates until you're driving in it. And every bump in the road, those roads are so bumpy. You just don't realize it until you actually have what I call like a bit, I felt like I had a big bowl of liquid inside of me that was just sloshing around. <laughs> not good. So I um, learned really quickly that I should not drive that much. One time I went to go drive my daughter to a friend's house. I had to stop and get out of my car and just sit in my car after a while. I had to wait for 30 minutes to get drive back home because I was so nauseous. And it's just because everything's sloshing around and you have so much inside of there. I don't know. I don't know if this is other people's experience, but that was mine. By week three, it was fine. But it took a bit to be able to feel comfortable driving. By week four is when I actually got on a plane. But even then, I was like, I got to sit at the exit aisle. Like, Please let me sit at the exit aisle. One of the guys next to me asked if I would switch seats and go in the middle. I was like, nope. I just had surgery. I'm sorry, but... I have to be in the exit. I don't want to be climbing over anyone. I want to feel like I can, I have some space. (laughs) So that's what I did. Okay. The other thing is, is I love baths and you're not allowed. Every surgeon's going to be a little bit different. I took my uterus out from my belly button. So here's where it gets a little vulnerable. 
every surgeon's going to tell you a little something different. You can either go out taking out your cervix, you can go out through your vagina and they go through your belly button and then they take it out through your vagina. If your fibroids are not too big, well, I wanted to keep my cervix. I have a theory around this. I believe the cervix potentially holds codes and potentially pleasure, which is still to be discovered at the top of the cervix during intercourse. Now, I don't know this to be true for sure for me, but I wanted to explore this. So I asked to keep my cervix. They thought I was a little strange, but I was adamant about it. I also feel like it helps hold things in with your pelvic floor. So if you can keep your cervix, I suggest doing it. I do have to go in for a regular exam every year just to rule out anything within my cervix, but I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that (laughs) to potentially find out if there's orgasmic pleasure with my cervix down the road. I don't know. Is that a lot of TMI, guys? Are are y'all hanging in there? Do you love this content? I'm so curious because I'm sharing. I'm like just being so raw and real with you as if you're my girlfriend sitting out here with me. So I went out through my belly button and I can feel like my belly button's a little swollen. My surgeon did a great job. There will probably be no scars at all once this is all over, but I am doing very gentle belly massage, really trying to break up any scar tissue inside that I can't see, even though there's no staples or any like dissolvable tape inside there that it's lower towards the cervix. I am feeling very tender. And I think it's because when they put those robotic arms in through the incisions, I think they're grazing muscles and they're grazing different organs or muscles inside you. And so there's some scar tissue that's being formed because it's very tender to the touch and there's no incision anywhere where it's tender to be touched. So I'm actually thinking it's just scar tissue underneath there from those robotic arms. So I'm massaging my belly very gently in circles and near the incisions going up and down just to break up any scar tissue. But I feel the scar tissue in areas where there's just no incision. So it's really interesting. You're not allowed to have bath. So I love baths. It just helps relieve any tension in my back. So I've been using heating pads on my belly, on my back, and I finally got the clear and go ahead to have a bath at four weeks. And I was so excited to have a bath at four weeks, but no ocean, no hot tubs, no rivers, anything like that until six weeks. And I'll probably wait till eight weeks just because I want to make sure these incisions are completely closed, that no bacteria virus from any of the open waters can get inside my body. I'm going to do that. So me personally, just to be very on the safe side. Sex. You want to talk about sex now? (laughs) So I think especially if you remove your cervix, they're going to actually kind of makeshift a little bit of a cervix cuff or a vaginal cuff, they call it, at the very top of your vagina. I don't have that, right? So I still have my cervix. So I think those that know that they've made man-made kind of a cervix at the top of your vagina are going to feel a little nervous about having sex. I think that's very, very normal because you're like, is it going to hold up? Is it going to break through? Is it going to be painful? For me, I had heard from other women that now, and this makes total sense, even though I saved my ovaries. And so therefore I have my same hormones 
and I saved my cervix, I was like, okay, the uterus is what produces when you get turned on. It's also produces a lot of that lubrication along with your vagina wall and your cervix. So I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be, when I get turned on, I'm going to be lubricated or am I going to need more lube? Am I going to be turned on the same way? Is my orgasm going to feel the same way? Because also the orgasm also can be affected because your uterus contracts during orgasm. You guys, I'm going there with you. I'm like looking at myself as I'm talking to you, like I'm sharing all this stuff with you. Okay, we're going there. So here I am wondering about that. I'm wondering about the lubrication because the uterus is gone. I'm wondering about, I do know my uterus would contract during orgasm. So I'm like, oh, as you can see, pleasure is a big deal for me. And I remember talking to my surgeon and I was like, hey, I want to talk to you about pleasure, sexual pleasure. Is this going to affect it? And I noticed that she didn't even really want to go there with me. She kind of was like, of course, it's not going to affect it. And I was like, how is that possible? Like, of course, it's going to change it a little bit, I'm sure. So I want to talk about it because it's a big deal, I believe, for all of our lives. And for some of you who are listening, you might be like, you know what, sexual pleasures come and gone in my life. I'm good. I don't like to have a lot of sex. I'm fine. I don't need it. I don't need that pleasure. I don't need orgasms, blah, blah, blah. I want to choose to enlighten you down the road on other manifestables because I actually believe every woman's birthright is pleasure. And I actually believe it can be a portal just into creation, a portal into your pleasure centers, into your aliveness, to your vitality, because why not? If you can feel good, why not? And so it is a big deal for me. It's something that I value within my body, that I love about my body. I love sex. So I was like, I want to make sure this is not going to hinder any of that. So I didn't get a lot of information on that. So that's why I'm sharing all of this with you guys, because she was just like, yeah, it's fine. And then I heard from other women who had the surgery that they were like, no, it's different. It was hard. It was not the same. Now, granted, I wasn't in a lot of pain prior. So that was different. For someone who's been in a lot of sexual pain prior, they might be like, oh, it's way better. But I didn't have sexual pain prior. So I wasn't sure how it was going to affect it. And I started noticing about three, three and a half weeks that I started to feel desire. Like I was like, I would love to explore. (laughs) And yet the doctors are very adamant that you do not explore until six weeks. But I still wanted to explore. So I'm happy to tell you that just not without having intercourse, but just seeing like, does my body produce lubrication? Does my body still have a good orgasm? I'm happy to tell you 100%. Yes, it does. And it's great. And it's fine. And I'm actually shocked. It makes me think that a lot of lubrication must be produced in the cervix and in the vagina versus just the uterus, which is good thumbs up. And also the food you're eating, the vitality, the mental work you're doing is all going to affect sex. It's going to affect pleasure. It's going to affect lubrication. It's going to affect orgasm. So I'm happy to say that eating non-inflammatory foods, doing daily healing affirmations, I would literally bless my water every day, say healing affirmations. I would visualize my body healing really beautiful. I'm still doing all of this. Nothing has changed in that regard. Now, when I do go to have intercourse, I don't think it's going to be any different just because I didn't remove my cervix. 
I do suggest that for those of you who do remove your cervix or have removed your cervix or whatnot, that you just go a little slower. Just take your time, talk to your partner, use communication. So that's a really big thing is using communication, communicating with your family, communicating with your loved ones. This is how best to serve me. I think I communicated prior to the surgery, like, thank you for supporting me in this way. This is how, what would feel most supportive. And then doing the same when it comes to intimacy, like really sharing like this would what would be really supportive. One thing that my partner is doing is setting up a like really special, sexy date when I'm eight weeks out. And I'm very excited about that. It feels kind of like a celebration. It feels kind of like, like an honoring of me, like a really special, special, like four day date in a really beautiful place, probably one of the nicest places that either one of us will have ever stayed. And that feels very honoring. That feels really nurturing. And also I have to say that it's an opportunity to really grow closer to your loved ones without intimacy, with your partner, without intimacy, to see them serve you and show up for you and to say loving things to you with knowing that there is no sex on the other end of it has been really, really beautiful for me and really empowering for me. And so I'm really grateful for all the lessons that I am learning and will continue to learn through this process and also how resilient the body is. I'm working out now with light weights as well as walking up to two to three miles at one time. And it's getting stronger and stronger. And I think these bodies are fantastic mechanisms of growth and expansion, of renewal, if we give it the chance and we feed it with foods and love and thoughts that are all loving and we surround ourselves with loving people. And this is, don't be afraid of the information you're receiving about your life around the foods, maybe the people you have in your life, your environment. This is an opportunity for you to go, okay, I'm going to see what I can change and what I can up level on and where I can believe that I'm worthy for more in certain areas of my life. And that's really my goal right now is with Manifestable is to speak really real with you like a girlfriend, as well as just share that we're all worthy to receive love in an optimal way. We all get to give love in an optimal way and we all get to learn from our bodies. We get to learn from this life. We are more than our bodies. We are light bodies. And can we treat ourselves and believe in ourselves the way that the light body deserves. Let me know if this has been helpful. I just shared with you first week, second week, third week, fourth week, loving my body more than I've ever loved it before. Looking in the mirror every day saying, I love you. I honestly, I will touch my belly where it feels tender and say, I love you. Thank you for all that you do. I've been just being so loving, so grateful every time that the body is continually healing and expanding in this growth. It's just been a really, really powerful journey. And if you are on this journey, I'm wrapping you up in love. If you're going to head into this journey, I'm wrapping up in love. And I really hope this has been really, really helpful. All right, you guys, I'll see you on the next episode of the Manifestable Podcast. I have a question for you. Have you been doing your workouts regularly, watching what you eat and still can't seem to achieve your goals? I want to be really real with you. Sometimes hitting your fitness goals doesn't mean working out harder or eating better. Oftentimes it can be, but I've noticed that there's something even deeper for most of us. And that is 
training our brain. And how you're going to do this is through a visualization practice. We have to rewire the subconscious mind to get results. So it only takes a few minutes a day. And this is something I've been teaching my high-level coaching clients. It's something I've done with my body for years with my one-on-one clients, and they've seen massive results. And now I want to give you this access absolutely free. So I created a power visualization for you to achieve your dream body. And yes, I said, it's absolutely free. It's going to take you minutes a day to do. All you have to do is just listen to it and visualize the things that I say in the audio. And you're going to start to notice that choosing healthier foods or moving your body feels a little easier you're going to start noticing the weight coming off easier. So all you have to do is go to DanetteFit.com. So go open up your browser right now. If you're listening to this, don't hesitate. Go to DanetteFit.com, D-A-N-E-T-T-E-F-I-T.com. And what's going to happen is you're just going to put in your email so I can send it straight to your inbox. And you're going to listen to this every single day. You can listen to it walking, sitting, driving. It doesn't matter because we're going to start rewiring your subconscious brain so that you start seeing results. I have to tell you over the past 20 years of helping hundreds of thousands of people release weight, I have proven time and time again that hitting your fitness goals is 30% physical and 70% mental. If you're ready to finally step into your dream body, go to DanetteFit.com to download my free dream body visualization. That's right, DanetteFit.com. If you heard it now, time to take action. (laughs)